Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Have you come to terms with who Jesus Christ really is? Jesus Christ is not merely a good man, an amazing philosopher, an incredible prophet or apostle or priest. Jesus Christ is God Almighty and the Savior of the world. Let's open our Bible now and study the conclusion of John chapter 10, the unbreakable Word of God as declared by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's an early Monday morning here in Texas, 7.07 and... Uh, Hopefully y'all just spending time with Jesus, loving on Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Got my new shirt on today that uh, my son-in-law and daughter bought me for my birthday. I'm excited about it. Feels nice. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. So today we are going to finish up, uh, Lord willing here, John chapter 10. Um. Today, we're going to do verses 34 to 42, and uh, I think this is the what? Is this the the fifth teaching in John 10? And uh, man, thank you, Lord Jesus. It's uh, it's just nothing, there's no greater privilege than just to, to study the Word of God and meditate on the Word of God and just, just grow to feed ourselves in the Word of God. Um, and the reason it's a privilege is it, 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 it allows us to the greatest benefit in this life, which is to experience life and meaning and purpose and relationship more and more with the triune God. The more time we spend in this scripture, the more time we spend meditating on the scripture and thinking about it and chewing on it and above all obeying it and repenting when we fall short the more we will experience meaningful relationship with, with, with God the Father, our Father, um, with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and Master and King, and, and with the Holy Spirit, our guide, our counselor, and our comforter. And so that's why we do these things. Um, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness on our lives. Father, above all, as we always say, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for, for coming and into this world and living a perfect life for us, dying that horrible, torturous death for us. And we thank you and worship you today, our risen King. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. Open the word of God to our hearts. We ask that you give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, thank you, Lord Jesus. So, um, I guess I was just told that this is the fourth teaching in John chapter 10. Um, all right. We're going to read verses 34 to 42, John chapter 10, and then we'll get rolling. Matter of fact, I'll start reading in verse 31. Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. 
For which of these do you stone me? Verse 33, we are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I have said you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scriptures cannot be broken, what about the one whom the father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said, I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do what my father does. But if I do do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I in the father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. Here he stayed, and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a miraculous sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let it be, Father, that in this place, many will believe in Jesus. In the place, Lord, where any hear this teaching, that many will believe in Jesus. In the place, Father, where the gospel is preached all over the world, we pray that in that place, many will believe in Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's... Uh, it's the, the, the entire chapter, again, it just really reflects that the religious leaders refuse and do not want to believe in Jesus at any cost or in any manner. You recall when Jesus is, uh, Remember in verse 22, it talked about the Feast of Dedication, which is Hanukkah, and Jesus is walking in the temple. And it says in verse 24, the Jews gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Okay. So the religious leaders just walk up to him. They surround him. He doesn't go to them. And they say, if you're, if you're the Christ, the Messiah, tell us plainly. In verse 25, Jesus says, Jesus answered, I did tell you but you do not believe. They don't believe because they don't want to believe. And he even says here, the miracles I do in my father's name speak for me. When you see how Jesus lived, when you see how he spoke, when you see the miraculous signs that Jesus did, they speak for themselves. If you're having a difficult time believing in Jesus today, then read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. C.S. Lewis testified that when he, when he began to study the Gospels and he studied them and he read them, that, you know, that this man, Jesus, is in no, is in no way a lunatic. And that's what he would be if he's not who he said he was. He claimed to be God. So obviously someone who claims to be God is, 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 is a lunatic, right? They're just, you know, C.S. Lewis said that, that, you know, 
if he's not who he says he is, then, you know, he's 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 the same as a man who believes he's a poached egg. Uh, so. If you're struggling believing in Jesus, do as Lewis did. Study the Gospels, carefully read the Gospels, and you'll come away seeing that Jesus did indeed claim to be God. These religious leaders knew that he claimed to be God. There are, uh, there are countless denominations, not countless, but there are many denominations, okay, um, that do not believe. Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe Jesus is God. Somehow these unbelieving Jews knew what Jesus was saying, right? Verse 33, we are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. And yet there are Christian denominations that still don't believe Jesus is God, but somehow these unbelieving Jews, they... they they believed. They didn't believe him as that he was God. They didn't believe him that he was the Messiah, but they certainly knew what he was saying. They knew that he claimed to be God. And so when you, when you study these gospels, when you study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and just spend time really reading the words with Jesus, you, you come away and you have to deal with this man, Jesus, the God man that comes onto the scene in human history. When you read his words, you find you, you find such profound insight, like never before taught. You see an incredible love and understanding. And then you see a power never before and never since seen, right? Jesus is in a boat. There's a hurricane. Imagine the biggest hurricanes you've been around. And Jesus says three words, quiet, be still, and it all immediately goes calm. When it happened, the disciples were terrified and said, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Doesn't work for us, right? We stand out in a hurricane and look at it, and I've said this before, and we command Mother Nature, right? And say, quiet, be still. She don't listen to us. She's our mother, so to speak, right? It's obviously a metaphor. There is no mother nature. Um, but she doesn't obey us. The rain doesn't obey us. The tornado doesn't obey us. It obeyed Jesus because he's God. So, these people, and Jesus explains to them if, you know, I know if you're having a hard time believing me, but just believe the evidence of your eyes. And that will lead you to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. The Christ, the Messiah, the God-man, fully man, fully God. Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him, verse 31. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many, many, many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? So 
it's interesting. He doesn't run away, <laughs> right? He doesn't run away when they, they they go and they find stones and they're going to stone them. They got their arm cocked back, right, Scott? And they're going to, you know. And instead of running away, he reasons with them. Apparently, he's not scared, right? I mean, you die when you get stoned. But apparently, Jesus is not concerned about that. And again, that's because Jesus is God. He'll choose the time of his death. This isn't the time, so he's not he's not worried or he's not scared, right? Um, all the rest of us would run, right, if we could, um, or be stoned, right? Now, Jesus doesn't run. He's not scared. Again, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father, for which of these do you stone me? And he knows they've, they have heard of the miracles, they've even seen the miracles. But look what they say in verse 33, we are not stoning you for any of these. So somehow they rationalize, we know that you've done many great miracles. We are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. And you notice he doesn't correct them. He doesn't say, I'm not God. He doesn't say, I never claim to be God. Because he is God. Do you see that? You see that, Corinne? Auntie Jackie, you see that? We're not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, verse 33, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. The, the thing is, he's not a mere man. He is the God-man. And again, still the majority of the world, the vast majority of the world, still believes that Jesus is just, you know, was a great man. When you read the four Gospels, there is, there's no plausible way. But the problem is no one wants to spend the time and, and read their Bible. But if you spend the time and read the scriptures, you come away seeing that it's irrational to believe Jesus is, a, is just a good man in just one of many possible ways or belief systems. That's utterly contrary to to what the scriptures teach and to what Jesus himself said. When you say you believe there are many ways to go to heaven or to experience heaven or to find God, you go directly against the words of Jesus, John 14, 6. Jesus said, four chapters from here, I am the way, the truth, and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's not ambiguous, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Out of his own mouth, Jesus declared he is the only way to experience relationship with God the Father and ultimately spend eternity in heaven with the Father.
If you're in a place today where you're still not sure about Jesus, you want to ask him to help you. Just explain to him, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I repent. I I don't want to misunderstand. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, where I have been hard-hearted. Forgive me where I am hard-hearted. Forgive me where I'm stubborn. Even as believers, I can certainly pray this, not about believing in Jesus, but about other things. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to help me. I ask you to help me to understand you, Lord. I ask you to help me, Lord, to have faith in you. I ask you to draw me unto you, Lord Jesus. I I ask you to, to help me, Lord, to experience you and to know you. I ask you to save me, Lord Jesus. Hmm. The Jews understood clearly what he was saying, but you, a mere man, claim to be God. Look how Jesus answers them. He doesn't in any way deny it, but he's going to answer them and just reason with them. This is one of the more confusing scriptures in all the Bible. Um, and, and when we walk through it here, you'll see it just kind of falls off the bone. It's really not... It's not hard to understand when we walk through it. Jesus is going to quote, you know, a somewhat obscure passage in the Bible. I was, when I was studying for this, the, uh, you know, some of the scholars pointed out uh, very well, I thought I hadn't considered this, that, that Jesus, you know, you would expect him to quote some kind of, uh, well-known, incredible passage about Abraham or Moses, right? Um, About creation, about, you know, Adam and Eve, um, about King David. But he quotes a psalm in Psalm 82. It's just a a small eight-verse psalm. And he's going to quote out of verse six, and he's just going to reason with them. So you remember, so you want to follow the account here, right? They call this context, right, Jose? So they say, we're not stoning you for any of the the great miracles that you performed from the Father, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Again, Jesus isn't scared. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? Jesus knows the Bible. Jesus quoted the Bible, the Old Testament as it is the word of God. So when we read the scriptures and we believe they're the word of God, we're in alignment with Jesus. For someone who says that they don't believe the Bible's the word of God, or they pick and choose what they want to believe, you're going against Jesus. So again, Jesus, God the Son, the Son of God, consistently quoted the scriptures as they are the actual living word of God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I have said you are gods. Verse 35, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, and we're going to talk about that, and the scripture cannot be broken, Jesus said to them, What about the one whom the father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? He's obviously speaking about himself there. Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I am the son of God. 
So Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I have said you are God. So when he says that, he's quoting Psalm 82. So we're going to read Psalm 82 to determine what he's saying to them. Okay. Some people have misunderstood this so terribly to think that Jesus is saying we as human beings are gods. We are not gods. It's a metaphor. Okay. And we're going to see that. Okay. Um, is it not written in your law? I've said you are gods. Now it's obviously a little G. And so Jesus is saying it's written in your Bible. God gave his word and here it is in Psalm 82. So I'm going to read Psalm 82 to understand what this is saying. Psalm 82. God presides in the great assembly. He gives judgment among the quote gods, little g. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the cause of the weak and fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. So there are all kinds of interpretations for this. Jesus lends us the interpretation of this. When Jesus said, is it not written in your law, I have said you were gods. And so what he's saying is in Psalm 82, the Lord is referring to certain individuals as gods. And scholars believe that he's, he's clearly talking about human judges here because they have the duty to exercise their will in judgment over people, a judge, right? And that's kind of a picture of how God the Father exercises his will in judgment over humanity. So does that make sense? So when Jesus is saying, is it not written in your law, I have said you are gods. If you called them gods to whom the word of God came. So in Psalm 82, the word of God is being given to human judges. Judges who exercise judgment over the people. And here the, the Lord is rebuking them. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? So an unjust judge maybe taking a bribe or whatever it is, but he's showing partiality to ungodly people. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the cause of the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. So again, make a proper judgment. And so God the Father, the, the, the Spirit of God, who inspired the scriptures in Psalm 82, is referring to these judges as little gods, as a metaphor for how, they're, how they exercise judgment, right, over the people before them. And in that judgment, they impose their will. A judge over imposes their will on your life. If you go before a judge, Today, anywhere in the world, they have the power to impose their will their, in their judgment over your life. And they swear an oath everywhere in the world would be my understanding. A judge, a government judge, to do it rightly and uprightly and not to favor 
you know, one side over the other. That's a judge's sworn duty, and they will be accountable to the triune God for that. If you're a judge today and you make an unrighteous judgment, you ought to have a fear of God over you. That's that drives you to make a righteous judgment because they're rebuked here. How long will you defend the unjust? If you're a judge, it's not your, 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 your job to defend one side or the other. It's to give a righteous judgment based on the law, right? It's our job as ministers when we make a judgment to make a judgment based on the word of God. So Jesus is using a reasoning, logical argument. Is it not written in your law, I have said you are gods? If he called them gods, right? So if, if God called them human judges, little g gods, to whom the word of God came, right? They receive the word of God. All of us have the word of God. And the scripture cannot be broken. Wow. Listen to those words out of Jesus' mouth. The scripture cannot be broken. The word of God will come to pass. Out of Jesus' own mouth, the scripture cannot be broken. And the Jews believe this. So he's reasoning with them. But if we step back for a second, May, and say, wow, Jesus just said the scripture cannot be broken. Do you see why we do this? Do you see why we spend so much time studying the Bible, meditating on the Bible, and teaching the Bible? Because it cannot be broken. What says in this Bible has come to pass, will come to pass, and it's certain because the scripture cannot be broken. The scripture tells us that only in Jesus Christ can we be forgiven of our sins. Only in Jesus Christ can we have relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And only in Jesus Christ can we go to heaven when we die. The scripture cannot be broken. That's why we lovingly plead to anyone who has not genuinely trusted in Jesus Christ, who's not clinging to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul, to do it now. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not words that save us. The point of that scripture is that, that when you come to a place and you humble yourself before Christ, acknowledging to him what the scriptures say, Romans 3, 23, all of us have sinned and fall short of God's holy standard, and, and we're separated from him, right? Isaiah 59, we are separated from God. We're hopeless. We're desperate. There's nothing we can do. And out of that place, we proclaim to Jesus, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God, and I believe I am a sinful person. Lord, I know there's nothing I can do, but I believe that you came into this world and lived a perfect life for me and died a, a perfect and horrible death for me. And I believe that you are alive and risen today, Lord Jesus. 
And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart. I call on you to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I confess you as my only Lord and Savior, and I place all my trust and faith and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. A Christian believes these things. A Christian has their this testimony in their heart. Do you have this testimony in your heart? Are you trusting and relying on Jesus Christ today for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? If not, rewind the tape. And again, use the words. The Words don't save us. It's Christ that saves us. But words are, are obviously how we communicate with him. Give your life to Jesus today because the scripture cannot be broken. If God called them gods to whom the word of God came, and again, the judges were supposed to judge based on the law. So the judges had received the word of God, the law of Moses, and they were supposed to exercise judgment. And he tells them, how long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? And again, he calls them little gods, Jesus, a metaphor, right, to, to reflect that they have the power to exercise their will as, quote, little G judges, and it reflects how God our Father, in reality, is the judge of the world, right? If, they, if he, God, called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, verse 36, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I am God's son. So he's reasoning with them out of the scriptures, right? If God called them little gods, why would you complain or not believe me when the scripture says this? What about the one whom the father set apart? So just as the father used a metaphor for them, God the father set apart as his very own, God the Son, and sent him into the world. Why do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I am God's Son. So if you're willing to believe the scriptures as the word of God, and you believe that God gave the law to them and called them little gods, gee, why would you deny that God the Father would send me, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, God the Son, his Son, into the world? as the savior of the world. So Jesus is using, a, again, just a logical argument. He's reasoning with them to show them the error of their belief that he's being blasphemous. Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I am, I am God's son. It's not reasonable. If you're going to believe the word of God here, believe in reason and logic that what I'm saying is, is no different it's in the same manner, but yet it's even more, more profound than what you read back there. And he goes on, and this is the reason, do not believe me unless I do what my father does. So he said, you know what? If I wasn't doing what my father did, 
if you didn't see the power of my heavenly father affirming all that I did. God the Father affirmed his word that Jesus Christ is God, the Son of God, the Messiah, by the power of God, his own power that flowed through Jesus. Do not believe me unless I do what my Father does. Now, obviously here he's speaking um, about, about the power and the miracles and the healing, but it's everything. It's his love. It's him giving his life. It's he, He's exercising every virtue of God. He is the God-man. But he's already told them in verse 32, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. Meaning, I could do none of this, Jesus is saying, obviously, if the Father's power was not in me. And then when you see how Jesus spoke, when you see the clarity of what he said, when you see there's nothing he said that you could deny, do not believe me unless I do what my father does. Jesus is saying we have they have no excuse and we have no excuse for not believing in pain, right? Verse 38, but if I do do it, and which he has done what the father does very clearly, but if I do do it, even though you do not believe me, verse 38, Believe the miracles, okay? Jesus is saying, so you don't, you don't want to believe me. Jesus is saying, it, they should believe Jesus. But he's even saying, you know, I understand at some level you're skeptical. But if I do it, if I do what the Father does in the, in the, in the power of God, is in me and I'm walking in it. But if I do do it and I do, and the Father has empowered me and I walk in the power of God, even though you do not believe me, him claiming to be God and the Messiah, the Christ, believe the miracles. I mean, believe your very own eyes of what you've seen. They admitted they've seen the miracles and yet they still refuse to believe. And he's reasoning with them in love, even though they're hostile to him, they're trying to kill him, they don't want him around. He's given them every opportunity to believe in him and to trust in him and love him, and, and he's doing the same for us today. But even if I do it, but if I do do it, do not believe me unless I do what my father does, but if I do do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles that you may understand that the Father is in me, and I in the Father. You remember he says in verse 30, I and the Father are one. Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. Okay? He doesn't back down. So when you, again, when you step back, Auntie Jackie, when you step back, Uncle Dennis, and just look at how Jesus handles himself, it's not like any other human being because he's not merely human. He is fully human, fully man, but fully God. He doesn't get scared. He doesn't back down. He doesn't get confused. He doesn't change his words. When they pick up stones to stone him, he doesn't say, okay, okay, 
I'm not God. Me and the Father are not one. I, I just shouldn't have said that. Never. This is our King, our Master, our Savior, our God, Jesus Christ. I and the Father are one. They tell him, we're not stoning you for the incredible miracles. We're stoning you for blasphemy because they understand what he's claiming because you, a mere man, claim to be God. And he says, oh, that's okay. You're not going to believe my words. Just believe what you've seen with your very eyes. You remember when Jesus goes to be baptized, right? In, uh, in chapter one. And, you know, um, Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, and we talked about that. And then, you know, a voice comes from heaven. Do you remember? We talked about that in Matthew. When he comes up out of the water, this is my beloved son whom I love. People heard the voice. John the Baptist heard the voice. God the Father speaking from heaven. This is my son whom I love. Right, the Father said. In uh, chapter 9, I believe it is, of Matthew and Luke, it's, uh, you know, they're on the Mount of Transfiguration. And again, a voice, the Father's voice from heaven says to the disciples, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. People heard this voice of God the Father. They saw all the miracles. So there is no excuse for the unbelief. And then when you just see in the Gospels how Jesus speaks and handles himself, as I said, as C.S. Lewis said, you very quickly reason that the only options are is this man is a lunatic like there has never been. He's the greatest deceiver to ever walk the earth or he is who he says he is. He's God. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. And that is the only obvious conclusion. And out of his own mouth, he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But if you do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Nothing, he's saying I could do nothing if the Father wasn't with me. He's reasoning with them. He's pleading with them. He's giving them every opportunity. Verse 39, again, they tried to seize him. They just refuse. Father, have mercy on us. They just refuse to believe, even though he's reasoned with them every way. He even uses this obscure scripture, right? You notice he just picks, he uses a scripture out of Psalm 82 that's almost, that's rarely ever quoted. Just to show you the entire Bible is the word of God. We tend to quote the famous passages, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's true, of course. But it's no more true than any obscure passage anywhere in the Bible. It's all the word of God. It's all true. And it cannot be broken, as Jesus said in verse 35. Everything else will be broken on it. It will break everything. But it cannot be broken. Again, they tries to seize him. But again, it wasn't his time, so he escaped their grasp. No one sees Jesus. Jesus willingly gave himself up for crucifixion out of his incredible love for you and me to die on the cross, to pay the debt of the sin of the world, to pay our sin debt. 
that we might rely on him and trust in him for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. Verse 40, then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. He leaves, he understands that, you know, it's not his time to die. These people are not listening to him. And so he's going to go to a place where they will listen, right? I saw that the scholars mentioned that when I was studying this, and that's a powerful point. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. Here he stayed, and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a miraculous sign, all that John said about this man was true. John didn't do miracles like Jesus did, but he spoke the word of God, and he pointed us to Jesus. And Jesus said, of those born of women... There's never been a greater man than John the Baptist. Think about that statement. We're all born of women. All of us. All of us. Of those born of women, there's never been a man greater than John the Baptist. Yet he never did a miracle, but everything he said about Jesus, it says, was true. Excuse me. The word of God is true. The testimony about Jesus is true. Verse 42, and in that place, many believed in Jesus. Spurgeon speaking on this, Charles Spurgeon, one of the great, greatest preachers of of all time. Many say the greatest preacher after Paul, the apostle Paul. He comments on this passage and says, you know, you notice that. Jesus is not being received in Jerusalem where he ought to be received, right? The people with all the understanding, he's being rejected and persecuted. But he goes to a place where where he will be received. And that ought to be, be our heart. If we're rejected in a certain place, if we're rejected in a church, you know, go to the, you know, go to the store, right? But... You know, if you're injected, if you're rejected in one place, if you're sharing the gospel in one place, if you're sharing the love of God with people, then don't be deterred and go to another place where you perhaps will be received. That's powerful, right? Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. Here he stayed and many people came to him. So again, he was just here in the temple courts, right? And he doesn't get anything but hassle. He still reasons with them from the scriptures. He still pleads with them, but they don't want it. And so he shares the truth with them. He doesn't deny that he's God. He he maintains he's the Messiah. He's God's son. He's the Christ. He's the Savior. Again, they ask him, right, verse 24, if you're the Christ, tell us plainly. He does tell them plainly, but they don't want to hear it. And again, that's the regrettable place of the hearts of the vast majority of the people in the world. Father, have mercy on us. Here he stayed and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a miraculous sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. Father, I ask you to help us and lead us. Holy Spirit, lead us. 
that if we are indeed persecuted or rejected or just denied or just blown off for Jesus and in a certain place, that we would lovingly just just leave and and go to another place where where a door may open for us and people may desire to have your word and and receive your word. Lord, help us to continue to move on, Lord, even when we're rejected. Have mercy on those, Father, that reject the gospel. I pray that you would open their hearts, that they would come to know Jesus Christ, and that they would be a part of verse 42. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. Father, I pray that in that place this day, wherever the gospel is preached, that it would not be rejected, but many would believe in Jesus. And Father, although the vast, (laughs) very few Christians have ever done miracles, Father, there have been some, but although the vast majority of believers have never done a miracle, Lord, I pray that we, like John, would testify to the truth about Jesus Christ. And although we may not have done a miracle or ever will, that like John, that will testify to the truth of Jesus Christ boldly. Holy Spirit, we love you and we bless you. We ask you to lead us and guide us, seal the message to our hearts. Lord Jesus, we worship you and it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen.